Well, a hearty greetings to you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever, what, whatever, whenever, wherever you are. It's good to speak with you. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. We are officially knee-deep into the Christmas season. I want to wish all of you who... Who recognize the holiday? A very, very merry Christmas and um, peace and good tidings to uh, all the rest of you who don't. I love all of you, and that's uh, that. That's that's not anything new. That's not that's specific to the Christmas season. That's all the time. But uh, I do love this time of year, even though it generally coincides with uh, futility for our beloved orange helmets. But I don't think so much um, these days. And this is the Thursday edition of the of the program, although whenever you're hearing it, probably won't be Thursday. Because I'm getting it to a, a little bit late. We had our uh, office uh, Christmas thing tonight. And you know how those things go. Did the white elephant, which we had a really killer uh, white elephant. It was just a bunch of stuff my wife picked up at the uh, the thrift store. It was, it was really, really quality crap that we threw together and uh, made somebody a nice little gift basket. At any rate... The uh, end of the year now for the Cleveland Browns. We're in the final quadrant, if you will, the final four games of uh, the 2018 campaign. Before coming to the uh, the web waves here with you right now today, I, uh, I went back and listened to, for a few moments, my broadcast from last would have been, actually it was the last day of 2017, which was the last day of the 2017 football season, and that was of course our final loss uh, against Pittsburgh. And the reason I was actually looking for well, actually what I was doing is I was getting uh, I, I was busting out the the Christmas decorations. You know how you, you do that. You know you, you take out all the the stuff out of the attic or out of the side room or wherever you've got all your stuff, uh, and then you pull out all this crap that's been sitting in you know storage for a year, and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I had that. I forgot it. You kind of go through that process. Well, it's the same thing here. I'm pulling out all the Christmas music and stuff, and in the process, I yeah, let me go back and listen to some of that a little bit. So I'm listening to the final you know the post game cast from after we beat Pittsburgh, or we beat Pittsburgh, when we lost to uh, Pittsburgh and went 0-16. And, man, I was mad. <laughs> that's actually, it's funny, because that's actually the one, and I think that you can go back to uh, to listen to it on, on the uh, the new platform that we're on here. This is back This is back in the old The DBN Network days. And the uh, this would have been the again the, the December thirty first twenty seventeen show, but I was just so angry at the end of of that game. And then prior to that, I was listening to the game the the broadcast from the week before then when we lost to the Bears. And and I, I wasn't really doing that for any sort of inspiration or anything like that. It was just kind of one of those oh this is interesting. Let me take a listen. And it kind of immediately transports you back into that that frame of mind. And Generally speaking, you know, this is a time of year where I tend to, yeah, I think we all kind of slow down a little bit. Now, down here where I'm at, I'm, I'm down in uh, in uh, Florida, so it, it's kind of the reverse of the way it is up north in terms of the general, like, uh, flow of, of activity. Most of the time up there, it's really hopping and busy during the spring and the summertime, and then it dies out in the winter, uh, in, in the late fall and into the winter season. Well, down here, it's the exact opposite. It's kind of uh, not dead, but it's just slower during the summer season, and then when you get into the, the colder months, we get all the people to come down here, and that's when it, that's when it gets super busy. But even with that, You've got all the holidays during this time of year. So naturally, things do tend to kind of slow down. And because of that, I tend to get into a uh, a frame of a, a mode of, of thinking and a frame of mind that is oriented around more than anything else, you know, gratitude. And it starts kind of with Thanksgiving. I mean, what is Thanksgiving? It's, it's showing gratitude in, in grandiose fashion. But then it really kind of accelerates through the Christmas season. Gratitude for, for a lot of things. I try to... Um, reflect upon the goodness that's in my life, and there's so much of it. Uh, and certainly, if you're in a, a, a you know a rough spot right now, I, I feel for you. I do. I really do. 
um, and and hope that uh, things get better for you. But for me, you know, for me and for, and for most people that I know, including most of the people I think that I'm talking to here, uh, you know, we, we, we got it pretty good, uh, all things considered. You know, if you got your health and you got people around you that uh, that you love and uh, you're not, you know, and if, if you got a couple of nickels to rub together and, you know, um, a, a little bit of food in the fridge, then, hey, you know, and, and shelter over your head, then, then uh, it, certainly you have it a lot better off than a lot of other people can. And and I, I try to, and this isn't like, I'm not trying to, you know, get into, this isn't going to be the, the, the easy Christmas special. Although I did do one of those last year. It was a, uh, a music marathon. I haven't decided if I'm going to do something like that again this year. Uh, probably not. I might just recycle that one. But at any rate, uh, one of the things this year that I am grateful for as I kind of look at the the entire landscape, and again, I have a lot of things to be thankful for, but as it pertains to our mutual love interest, the Cleveland Browns, I got to tell you, listening to those those shows from last year, I'm pretty grateful to be where we are now compared to where we were at this time, you know, last year or two years ago or three years ago. You know, if, 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 if like three years ago was when we went three and thirteen, that was, and not only that, think of this: three years ago. At this point, I think this is when we had beaten San Francisco. So we were something like three and nine or something. Maybe maybe two and ten, I don't know. But uh certainly we were we were we were staring down the barrel of a of a of a lousy year that ended up being a three and thirteen season, which at the time tied our worst season ever. <laughs> of course that those records would be broken uh quite uh, spectacularly by the coach that would follow high school Mike, the uh, the guy that was in charge three years ago. But then two years ago, we go one and fifteen, and at this point, at that time, we were we were staring at zero and twelve, and that's where we were a year you know a year ago today. And of course, that would lead to zero and sixteen. So you know, we're sitting here today at four seven and one, and and I am not one of these people. I'm gonna, I, I will just you know right from the rip, I am I am willing to. Uh, stipulate here in no uncertain terms we are not first of all i i doubt very very seriously that we are winning out i do not think that it's it's a very high probability that we are going to win these final four games now having said that as we sit here right now looks like there's a a, a fairly um a fairly good uh, likelihood probability that cam newton won't be playing this week for the Carolina Panthers as we take them on at uh, Factory of Sadness Field, First Energy Stadium, which if that is the case, and we're going up against, I believe the the backup is some guy named Tyler Heineke. Uh, okay, I feel all of a sudden much, 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 much better about that game. Uh, then we got to play the, uh, the Denver Broncos. Then we get the Bengals again. Then we get the Ravens. And I feel pretty good about those last two games. Uh, but I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just telling you. I'm not sitting here among these that think that we are going to finish off the year and finish it. You know, by by winning out. I don't think that it's totally impossible. It's just not something that I'm expecting. But what I am willing to throw down is we're not making the playoffs. We're not making the playoffs. I, I, I kind of went through the whole scenario last week, and I, and I kind of said last week that yeah, you know, we're having fun with it this week because you know we're playing a pretty good Houston team, and it's it's probably pretty likely that that this dream is going to end, and it did. Because we got, I mean, look, we got we got beat up by a good team, and with a couple of days to reflect upon it, uh, I, you know, if we if we play those guys ten times, they beat us ten times. And it's not because they are just so much more talented. They're just an overall better team. But be that as it may, I, I still look at where we are right now and consider where we were two years ago, one year ago, three years ago. And doesn't it feel so much better to be where we are than be where we were? And while that was going on, while those hard times, I mean, and, and again, to go back, I didn't finish this thought from three years ago. But, you know, fancy that. I don't finish a thought. We're staring at you know two and ten or three and nine or whatever it was, looking at a lousy rest of the year, and with with you know a an old overpaid roster, and the prospects of our success lied on the shoulders of one Johnny Manziel. That's where we were three years ago at this time. Two years ago at this time, we were you know barreling in on that number one pick in the draft. 
and not knowing what uh, what we were going to do there, whether it was going to be a... Um, but actually, I would think even at that point, two years ago, people were pretty much on board with the overall plan, but nobody had any expectation of winning. This is really the big difference. I'm sitting here, you know, talking about how we're not going to be able to, you know, get in. I don't care, I don't care what the 28% probability if we were to win out. It's not going to happen. But look, just the fact that people have that frame of mind is so much better, and it's not because we, we're, you know, we're mathematically in it. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about psychologically that we, as a fan base, can actually look at the rest of these games that are on the schedule with some hope and some even small sense of a well, we may have a chance if things break us. Now, to me, I don't care about any of that. I have one thing that's that I'm really uh, looking at with the, with these final with respect to these final four games, and it's been the only thing that I've been looking at all year and that is number six in the program, number one in your hearts, Baker Mayfield, our starting franchise quarterback, and how he is going to finish off what has been a solid, if not spectacular, rookie season. Yes, the game against Houston notwithstanding. And you know, I probably should have uh, said something before getting into all of this, but uh, I got I caught a little flack. I actually did not... not terrible. Uh, but there was a, a guy that wrote me an email that was like, hey man, you know, you're, you're being pretty hard on Baker there. You know, this happened, that happened, you know. It's not, um, it's, uh, you know, it's not all his fault. You need to, you need to, uh, uh, you know, back off and, again, it wasn't like, you know, they weren't, they weren't terribly mad. It weren't, it wasn't, they weren't, they weren't, they, they weren't, you know, behaving like I just burned all their Diana Ross albums. It was just a matter of they thought that I was being a little bit hard on Baker. And look, I get it. You know, people are, are defensive of the kid. I love the kid. I, I love the kid. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with pointing out that he got that he struggled on Sunday. And actually, the whole point of the the program on Sunday. And and look, it's it's always easier to come look at these things. Eh, maybe it's not easier, but it's probably better perspective to come look at these things, you know, a couple days after the fact than when, you know, when I come talk to you about these after the game on Sunday, it's raw in my mind right at that moment. And it's kind of stream of consciousness, you know, which is, I mean, you're, you're in that same boat. You're kind of you know, re- reacting to it and, and going through the, all right, the game just happened. And particularly with us over the last couple of years, it's like, I just watched that. And you try to get, you know, some sort of, of, uh, of meaning out of it, and, and hopefully, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not to say that I'm providing meaning, but maybe some perspective that at least is is entertaining enough to uh, you know provoke some thought or or what have you uh, when it comes to uh, all of these things with you know with respect to the Cleveland Browns. But look, I, I'm I, I was hard on Baker, but I think uh, it was justified. But I don't mean to say in any way that now is like, well, you know, maybe I was wrong about the guy. No, 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 no. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I am 100 million percent still down for some Baker Mayfield being our rookie quarterback, or being being our rookie quarterback. He is our rookie quarterback. Actually, he's played, you know, above rookie level all year, except for the first half against Houston. But let's let me tell you what happened in the first half against Houston. Baker Mayfield got beaten badly by Romeo Cornell. That's what happened. Romeo Cornell, an experienced, savvy, good, you know, defensive coordinator, former head coach, our former head coach, as a matter of fact, and a good, you know, defensive coordinator, defensive mind, with a lot of good players on that defense, he just beat Baker on Sunday. He beat him with schemes. And that type of thing especially because of the way that Bate came out in the second half and was still attacking, 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 and attacking effectively. Well, not effectively enough for us to be able to make the game close, but effectively enough, uh, for, at least for me, to be able to look at and say he wasn't cowed by what happened in the first half. So that game on Sunday, while it wasn't a win, to me it was tremendously valuable. It's probably the most of the games that I've said so far this year. I mentioned all year this this comparison uh, to Peyton Manning, and look at I I realize that people are oh, going to compare you know Baker Mayfield to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Well, look, the greatest and Peyton is not the greatest quarterback of all time. That would be Tom Brady, and Joe Montana would be number two, quite frankly. But 
if you're and, but Peyton's definitely up there and, and probably number three and but Peyton at one time was a first overall pick that had a lousy rookie season Peyton Manning had a much much worse rookie year than Baker Mayfield has had uh by a lot quite honestly that team went three and 13 that year now they turned it around but what he's but this is the point is he said uh, he, he has said since then that you know I learned a lot of good football and a lot of bad games my rookie year and yes, I know that was a dead-on uh, Peyton Manning impersonation. But then the next year, that same Colts team went thirteen and three. So all to say that yeah, uh, there was a lot of learning that happened with uh, with Peyton Manning in his rookie year, and he had a lot of games that looked a lot worse than what Baker Mayfield looked like on Sunday. But the point is, is that Baker Mayfield going through that process of getting beaten of having you know your preparation go all wrong because you're going up against somebody that's even more prepared and then fighting through it and coming back that's to me that is all experience that is invaluable it is so and i i don't care about losing to a texans team that had ripped off eight wins in a row and looks like a honestly it looks to me like that team could potentially like challenge for the AFC crown. I mean, we've been, it's basically belonged to the Patriots for, you know, the last, however, I mean, the Patriots have been good for about 20 years, but really the last six or seven years, they they basically have had a lock on that AFC, uh, definitely a berth in the AFC championship game, but representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, it seems every year. And the this year the Patriots have been kind of challenged by the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm here to tell you that the Texans they are that that is a that is no slouch team. They they got a good coach, they've got a good quarterback, and I'm happy to uh, eat crow and send G and T his box of stogies on this because I lost the bet. I lost the bet big time because that kid is special. I mean Deshaun Watson looks like he is going to be a star in this league, and so fine that team and, and by the way i hope they do it i i have nothing but now that our fortune our draft fortunes are not directly tied to how the, the texans do uh, i'm all for that team doing well so i i have no animus or hard feelings or any any problem at all with them representing the afc and i don't have any i don't have any bad feelings about us losing this game the way it happened on sunday and here's uh, something else yeah, the, the the holding penalty on on Greg um, Robinson was was ticky tack fine, fine. It, but it's a holding penalty. It's what it is. And yeah, Callaway needs to not fumble the ball there. But even if we get the touchdown, we still would have lost that game. We still would have lost the game because we couldn't stop him on defense all day. And while Kitcho got his uh, got his bearings straight in the second half and did a lot better there. The uh, the damage was was already done, and and they or well, I I should say while they were able to like that opening drive of the second half, they go down the field, they score a touchdown. If we have a shot to come back in that game, then we stop them on the next drive. But what do we do? We let them go down on a long drive and kick a field goal. So. All right. I mean, that's that's not how you come back in games like that. You've got to score quickly, stop the other team, go down, score quickly again. We weren't winning that game, but it's okay. It's okay because that's not a game that you win at this stage of the the operation. We're in year three of a total teardown and rebuild, and year one of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield next year is going to be all pro level. Uh, that's so ridiculous. How can you possibly say that? I mean, easy. How, how can you look? Right. Look at look at where he's at. Look at look at what Patrick Mahomes looked like in his sophomore season. He didn't do anything last year. He, he didn't play last year. Baker Mayfield, by comparison, has a ton more actual on-field experience. He's going to be able to take into the offseason as the no doubt about it, uh, n- there, no question about it, unified number one quarterback on the depth chart. There is not going to be any sort of stupid chicanery with that position for the first time in many offseasons that any of us can remember. We're not going to have to even think about who the starting quarterback is. It's Baker Mayfield, number six. And he's going to go into next year 
year, fully prepared, and games like what happened on Sunday, not to say that he's not going to have any more bad games for the rest of his career, but I bet he doesn't have any more games where he throws three interceptions in the first half. He may never have another th- a game where he throws inter- three interceptions, period. But you know, like I was saying on Sunday, I don't really have a big problem with him throwing the interceptions when he's doing it the way that he was doing it, which was attacking their defense. And most importantly about that was even after coming out, after having thrown the three interceptions, he came back out attacking the defense again. And not only that, he was effectively attacking that defense. So I'm I'm good with what happened on Sunday. I'm not I'm not in any way uh, – I'm, I'm more than at peace with it. And somebody said afterwards that that did not feel like a factory of sadness loss. It, it wasn't because there actually was building towards something. It's way different. You know, like last year, one of the reasons why last year was such a disappointment is because we basically invested 15 games into a quarterback that we got absolutely nothing out of. We we got all of the bad out of Deshaun Kaiser and didn't even bother to stick around to see if any good was going to come out of it. Now, I'm not trying to say that I would have preferred that over what we have right now. And what we ended up getting out of Deshaun Kaiser, as in Demarius Randall, hey, look, that turned out to be a great uh, investment. But wouldn't it have just been better last year if we would have gone with uh, either Brock Osweiler or before then he just went with Josh McCown? If we weren't even going to bother, and let me ask you something, if Deshaun Kaiser plays very sparingly or not at all last year, do you think his trade value would have been higher, lower, or about the same as it was in this offseason? I contend it probably would have been higher. A guy with virtually no tape and with all of those tools and on the bench for, the, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like driving a car off the lot. The depreciation starts right away. Uh, but, you know, you, you look at what Osweiler did that this last year. My, this, this, And I'm not going to spend any. In fact, I've so far gone this entire time. I don't think I've mentioned Hugh Jackson's name at all so far. And I'm not – that is the point of, of, of getting into that. I'm just saying we could have gone with any of those guys and gotten at least as good of what we got out of, of last year uh, without having to go through the rookie – you know, we went through all the rookie pains and got absolutely nothing in return for it other than – uh, an undefe- or a winless season that got us the first pick in the draft. But quite honestly, we could have gotten the, the first pick in the draft and won two games last year. Not trying. To, I, I'm not going to go re- relitigate the 2017 campaign. All to say that when we watched those games last year of utter and complete futility, and we you know we come here afterwards and try to explain, well, Kaiser's got this problem and he's not sharp. You know, he's, he's got to speed up the clock here and all the other things we're talking about. What it really redounded to is that none of those games actually meant anything in terms of the development of the most important, quite honestly, the only position on the team that actually matters. And I'm not trying to say that the other positions aren't important because if quarterback was the only thing that mattered. Then you know Philip Rivers would have had a ring by now. It does matter what the other team, what the other players on the team are uh, at their their various position groups. I, I get all of that, but honestly, those guys don't matter unless you get the quarterback situation figured out. And we do finally have the quarterback situation figured out. So in terms of of the game last Sunday and even the other bad games that Baker has had so far this year, at least to me, when those bad games happen, I can very, I can immediately put it in the can of, well, bad game, but learning experience, Baker's going to get better. And the last bad game that Bake had before uh, this last one was the one he had against Pittsburgh. And what happened the next week? Came out against Atlanta, was firing. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if Bake comes out on Sunday and looks tremendous. Uh, and I kind of expect that that's what's going to happen. But more, but more to the point, even when we lose these games, we at least feel like, I, I, at least I feel like, we're building towards something, uh, and the, the something being the first franchise quarterback that we uh, can reliably say that about uh, in uh, over 20 years. Going to step aside here for a moment, uh, take a, a little break as you enjoy the dulcet tones of our Christmas ensemble as we are in the the full spirit now. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. When we return, got a uh, an email from a guy and I'm going to share it with y'all. And uh, just it just made me feel good and, and maybe it will you too. Talk to you in a moment. Malakalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. 
No, I'm not trying to say that the Panthers are going to be easy. You know, Christian McCaffrey, that guy, you know, his old man was a great player too. Ed McCaffrey, that guy was, he was a really good wide receiver. Played for the uh, the 49ers and the Broncos. But uh, his kid is a, you know, pretty pretty dynamic running back and he's done very well this year so we're gonna have our hands full with that i'm not expecting but i but i am saying that i just expect that baker is going to go out there and play a better game and if he goes out there and plays a better game cuts down on the turnovers guess what we're gonna have a chance to win and if we win this game on sunday then really our our playoff if you playoffs is going to be the final or the week the next week against denver and not because winning that game could get us into the playoffs, although winning that game would, would certainly help in a possible scenario. That is not going to happen. Got to throw that disclaimer in there. But it could um, get in there. So, but I'm just saying, as, a, as far as where we are as a team and, and what it means heading into kind of the 2019 offseason... Uh, I, I see that game next week against Denver, you know, solid team with a leggitimate quarterback. Case Keenum's end up has turned around turned out to have a pretty good year after having a really solid year uh last year. I'm I'm happy to see that for the kid. That that's a that's a solid team. If we were to go out there I mean if we win the next two games, then there's nothing there's no reason to be anything other than wildly wild actually there's no reason to be other than anything other than wildly, wildly optimistic right now. We're gonna go into this off season, regardless what happens, with a franchise quarterback that's only going to get better, and with an edge player that is <laughs> Miles Garrett had a, had a couple more sacks on Sunday. He's currently right now, although I didn't watch the game tonight, um, I don't even know if there's anybody competing in it that would have uh, been part of this discussion, but he's currently fourth right now, in tied for fourth right now in the in the league in total sacks. Uh, another, you know, ton of pressures again. He was he was living in Houston's backfield on Sunday. This guy is already playing at an all-world level, and he's only going to get better. So when you got a quarterback that can go out there and and embarrass defenses like Baker is going to be able to do, and then you've got guys like you know a guy like Miles Garrett who is, you know, compare him to whoever you, whoever you think, right? I mean, you look at edge players of all time: Deacon Jones, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Derek Thomas. I don't care. Whoever whoever it is that you like, you can put Miles Garrett in that conversation. He's going to be that good. And I almost feel like as much as I've gushed over Baker Mayfield this year, I really haven't spent enough time talking about Miles Garrett. You know, Baker, I've said this before that I, I love Baker like he's my son. And he's almost I'm almost old enough or he's almost young enough or whatever that 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 actually could work. Like I could have actually not I mean, I'm just saying age wise that 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 it's it the logistics of it work out. But I feel the exact same way about Miles Garrett. That's the way that I, I felt about him last year. They're both weird guys. Weird in different ways, but I, I just adore the both of them, not just because of their immense and very impressive uh, football acumen, but just because of the attitudes that they both have and the way that they carry themselves. And it's just, a, I, I feel like they're members of the family. In fact, you know, I've always been one of these guys that's a root for the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey type guy. But uh, but I gotta tell you, I, I, I have to it's kind of like if you've got a, a pet that you love, you have to, and you're an adult, you have to at some point, like during the course of that relationship, you have to start mentally preparing yourself for, you know, one of these days I'm going to lose this 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 little guy that I love so much. And uh, and, and that's going to be tough to deal with. It's I feel like one of these days we're going to lose Baker and we're going to lose Miles. And I'm like right now starting, you know, trying to prepare myself emotionally for that because I am so invested in the both of them, both personally and as a fan. I, I, I honestly, there's very, Joe Thomas is probably the only other one in the modern era that I felt this way about, where I love them as people, and I, I literally, like, if, if <laughs> I mean, not that it would ever happen, I mean, they're, the, the, both of those guys are doing very, very well for themselves, but like, if they if they were, like, down on their luck and they needed a place to stay or something, it's like, yeah, come on in, guy, I, I love you that much, right? And I'm just saying, like, Miles, for all of the, the time spent talking about Baker Mayfield this year, Miles Garrett has had a unbelievable season. He has been a a terrorist on that left side of the or on the right side of the line. He's been a wrecking crew. When I watched that game in Tampa when they were down here this year, I'm here to tell you the Buccaneers did not block him the entire second half. They they held him quite a bit, but the dude was was wrecking people all over the place. 
So Miles Garrett is only going to be uh, bigger, faster, stronger next year. He's only going to be a more dominating presence, as will Larry Ogunjobi, who's who's going to win the Tough Guy Award this week. You know, they're saying on Sunday he's going to be out for the rest of the year. He's like, nope, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go play. Love that. Love that guy. Love Larry Ogunjobi. There's lots of – there are quite a few young players on this team. I can just go through all – I mean, I already mentioned Miles Garrett, uh, Larry Ogunjobi. And, yeah, I'm still a fan of Emmanuel Ogba. I know. I know. But I, 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 I like Emmanuel Ogba. I realize he's not the same sort of pass-rushing force that uh, that Garrett is. But but I, but I still really like the guy, and I think that he brings a lot of value to uh, the defense. I think we have missed Danny Shelton this year a little bit, but it, it's what it is. Joe Schobert's another one of those guys. Demarius Thomas, Denzel Ward. Uh, and and I I would really really love to to be able to lump Jabril Peppers into that mix, but I'm gonna need to see. I, I saw the the guy make a, a step forward this year. He, he took a step in the right direction this season, but I'm just not to the point. Uh, I, I'm gonna need to see him take a commensurate step forward next year for me to get anywhere near the level of hypeness required for. Um, for uh, me to me to put him, lump him in with those other guys that I mentioned, and of course Christian Kirksey, who's been out, uh, he's out for the year with uh, with an injury. He's been part of that for a while. I, I really love Kirko um, and, and think that uh, he's he's a, a really good player. And there's a couple of guys on offense you could say the same thing about. I mean, of course, of course, of course Mayfield, but also Nick Chubb. I mean, that guy, the the career that he's about to have, and and the rookie season that he's having. And and look, you know, all right, I'm going to say the first thing here. It certainly is um, possible that uh, Antonio Callaway gets better as his season, you know, as his career progresses, and. Before you say, you know that that uh, well, look at him; he's a bust. He's a, look at the, look at Rashard Higgins. Look at where uh, he was two years ago. Look at where he was last year, and look at how when he, he went down this year, how everybody was missing him. How people were talking about how he was like the missing piece that we needed in order to get the offense going. And as it happened, we ended up. Uh, Improving the offense once he got back into the lineup, so it wasn't like the most absurd thing in the world. All to say that the receiving core, um, while not anything to write home about, is certainly one that has a lot of potential there that could improve. Look at look at the Brashard Perriman. I mean, I hate to even ask this question as I knock on wood, but has he dropped a pass since he's been here? Looks like the guy can kind of get open. In fact, he made a pretty nice one-handed catch on Sunday. You know, that guy, you talk about physical ability, and I know that, you know, uh, I was arguing with uh, my buddy Bernie about this, but I, I, the guy was a first-round talent because he's got first-round talent. It wasn't able to put it all together in Baltimore, but that, that dude's got a lot of ability. So him and Lando, you know, if Callaway could take a next step and Higo's already there, I mean, you know, uh, we're going to get uh, uh, Ricardo Lewis back here. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm very I'm, – I'm all about um, cutting him basically the moment that he's done being injured. Point is, there's, there's plenty of young players on uh, both sides of the ball. And, of course, David Njoku, who I think has had a really strong – second half of the season so far uh there, there's a lot of good young talented players to be excited about on this team and i'm i it's it's gonna be a lot more fun off season than i think that we've had because i think one of the reasons why is that there's just not going to be the sort of after the draft happened i, I one of the follow-up broadcasts i did i talked about how there was this, and it wasn't even something that I was conscious of. But people said to me afterwards, "Yep, yep, yep." I, I felt the exact same thing that you described, and it was I felt like there was this weight on my shoulders that was, that, and I wasn't even conscious that it was there. But when we drafted Mayfield, it was as if that weight was alleviated. It was like the, all that pressure was gone. And going into this offseason, it's going to be the first offseason, quite frankly, that I can remember. Well, maybe the, the, the 08 offseason because we thought we had the situation figured out with uh, Derek Anderson. And, hey, if it's not figured out with Anderson, then we got Brady Quinn. Yeah, okay, it didn't work out. But whatever. 
that's the last time that we can end that off that off season. That was the one where Phil Savage went ballistic. Remember we we traded like two first rounders for Corey Williams. <sighs> wow. Um. Just 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 uh. And, and and that wasn't that wasn't the worst off season move. There 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 were quite a few. Uh, that was when Dante Stallworth went and, and, and accidentally killed that guy, um, the, the, the drunk driving thing in Miami. And he still ended up coming back and playing in an NFL career after all that. What, at, at any rate, we, um, we're going into this offseason with, uh, with a lot more going for us and, and not a whole lot of holes. I know that people can uh, you know, pick at various positions, and they are... Um, you know, stronger in some and, and not as strong in others. Uh, I've mentioned before, I, I think that we could, we certainly could use some depth at the safety position. And I, I also kind of think that, that there's going to be a little bit of a, because we, we may get Terrence Mitchell back either this week or next week, and that would be great. Uh, it looks like Denzel Ward isn't going to play, which is significantly less great, although going up against, um, who did I say was uh, starting? Midas Meineke? You know, whoever it is is, uh, you know, not necessarily going to matter all that much. But I think there's probably going to be a little bit of a... I think there may be a little bit of recency bias about Mitchell's performance. I think that Mitchell performed way, way, way better than what the expectations were coming into the year. But I don't think that his performance kind of warrants a, a lot of the attitude that people have about, like, they're, they, are, they are heralding his return as like, as, as, like, a savior. And this guy was not especially great coming over here from Kansas City. Played very well. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage him. He played pretty well. But I think that when people see him on the field, they're, they're going to be like, I remember this guy being a lot better than what he was. And it probably is just kind of a... a a cockeyed memory thing. Like, he wasn't as good as as uh, Jason McCourty was last year, for example. Maybe not even good as McCourty's been this year. But all I'm saying is that that cornerback spot, probably right up there as far as uh, the biggest of the team needs that we have. But look at what I'm saying here. We're talking about quarterback taken care of. Uh, yeah, we could, we could definitely, we should probably target a wide receiver. Yeah, probably should target a tackle. But, you know, I mean, I really don't know what's going to be out there available in terms of tackles. But we're not, like, totally – we haven't given up a sack in the last three games. Now, I, I, there are – there actually are. I actually know people out there, Bernie. I actually know people that will say, well, this is, just because we haven't given up sacks in the last three games for the first time in 30 years, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it does. It may not mean everything. I mean, it may not mean that we've got, like, an all-world offensive line, but it certainly means something. And what it does mean is that – among other things, maybe the offensive line isn't that bad, meaning maybe we don't necessarily have to spend a first-round pick in order to replace somebody there. That's all I'm saying. It may be that we're, we're actually okay in that uh, in that area. But we, we the point is, when you look at this roster all around, where do you – like last year, it was quarterback, wide receiver, safety. Like huge, big, gaping holes. And people uh, can could look at other ones, but – as you look at this roster right now, where are the huge gaping holes? Defensive tackle? I, I guess. I mean, Trevon Coley could be upgraded, but he's not exactly uh, you know a, a weak player at that at that three tech. Um, we, we again, we could get somebody to go along with him. I'm not saying not to do that, or somebody else for the rotation. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see more Carl Davis this year, but you know, whatever. That's not really something that I'm looking at as we have to. Um, you know, we have to make that upgrade or else we're just screwed. Same thing with really anything. That's what I'm saying, that you could you – could, and, and I'm, we could use depth everywhere, all right? I mean, we're still a relatively young team as far as it goes. We could probably use depth more so at, like, the safety position, maybe the wide receiver position. And, yeah, I would be – like, the, the, the only free agent right now – remember last year we were looking at, like, Kirk Cousins and some of the other guys that were available in free agency. There's one guy right now that's available that's going that, – that figures to be available in free agency that I would love, 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 love for us to go after, and that is Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver from the Chargers who absolutely owned us earlier this year. Guy's big, fast, strong, and to go along with – he's not a world beater, but there are – if it's kind of like the same thing that we talk about year in, year out with the quarterback spot. If a guy is available, and, and I'm, as, as in you can acquire him after he has entered the league, chances are there's something wrong with him. You know, good wide receivers – 
generally speaking, are not going to become available. Last year, we got Jarvis Landry. Why? Well, Jarvis Landry had to be franchise tagged and then traded to us, and we had to trade him, sign him to an extension. And one of the reasons why, or at least one of the reasons why it was supposed, is because people couldn't deal with the sort of attitude that he has shown us that we ha- that he has here in Cleveland. Now, to my mind, first of all, uh, while I uh, have been a little... Nah, I'm not terribly critical of of Jarvo. I have been a little bit like uh, pointing out that he hasn't really been a world beater as of late. Well, he looked really, really good on Sunday. Not only made a couple of tremendous sideline catches, but also made a couple of tough, like, catch the ball, get hit hard right away, hit the ground hard, and still hang on to the ball type catches. And, you know, it's it's then you find out that, well, maybe he's actually been hurt the last couple of games, which could, you know, maybe explain why he wasn't able to get open as much. But point is, attitudinally, I got no problem with Jarvis Landry. And if the Dolphins can't handle what he brings to the table, I am plenty fine for that guy and that attitude to be on this team, particularly now with Baker Mayfield as the quarterback. But all that to say that anybody like Odell Beckham, people talk about him. It's possible that somehow, some way we could try to acquire that guy, but there's baggage. That's the thing. You're not going to get in a trade somebody that is absolutely perfect. We were able to pick up Tyrod Taylor getting back to the quarterback position. Well, obviously there were deficiencies in his game. That's why he was even available. So if a guy is available in free agency, it means necessarily that there's some kind of reason why the team that he was originally with decided not to um, retain his services. Now, you could have circumstances like with Alex Mack and us, or as I contend, Mitchell Schwartz and us, where there just was nothing we were going to be able to do. We were going to lose that guy no matter what. But I think that those situations are probably more few and far between. And for guys that just, well, I'm not going to sign for what you are going to sign me for, but I'll sign with somebody else for more money, well, look, that's a values question. Because if a player really is worth it, you know, if Paul Kruger really was worth all that money we paid him, then Baltimore would have paid him that money. Because pass rushers are valuable. And it's not like they had, I mean, I know they had Doomerville and they had Suggs, but if Kruger was that type of guy, this is the point. So a guy like Tyrell Williams, not necessarily what people would consider to be a number one receiver, but he's a guy that we could put in our lineup and he could be a starter and a good one with us. And honestly, the way that Baker distributes the ball and gets it to everybody, I don't know that you really need to have that top guy. But if you're going to get that top guy, you're probably going to have to get him in the draft. And that's what I would like to see. Like I would like for us to get a free agent wide receiver and Tyrell Williams is the guy that I would want to target. And after him, then we draft somebody... Uh, you know, probably between rounds two and four, or I should say within those rounds, get somebody. And if we if we pick up a couple of those guys, then I'll feel pretty good about the wide receiver position. Outside of that, like I say, safety depth, I'd like to get a a starter at at uh, a cornerback. But then again, you know, while I'm while I'm saying that people maybe are giving uh, uh, Terrence Willi- uh, Mitchell more. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're appreciating his efforts in the first half maybe more than what is warranted. Again, not, not to run him down. I'm just saying that people may be a little bit disappointed when they see what his play is. Although the one thing I'll say about Terrence Mitchell is that that dude was, was ripping the ball out all the time. He was definitely a turnover maker when he was in the lineup earlier this year. And it'd be kind of nice you know, to see to see some of that materialize again. I, I feel pretty good overall about this one, particularly with uh, Cam not being in the game. And if it really does materialize that way that Cam doesn't start, then my mood is going to switch from, you know, uh, let's see what happens, could potentially be another bad game, to maybe smiling a little bit, feeling a little bit feeling a little bit cockier and feeling like we're going to have another like Cincinnati Atlanta type Sunday more so than like a uh, a Houston or a Pittsburgh type Sunday as far as the way that our results have gone the last month or so but it remains to be seen uh we'll of course be watching it covering it and uh bringing you the cast immediately following the game as we always do here on dogs by nature the only place in the interweb world where you can hear this sterling podcasting um content being delivered to you with 
effervescing love and appreciation from yours truly, me, Easy Weave. As I mentioned, speaking of overflowing love, I got this this letter from this guy, and I did um, get his permission to share it with you. It just it touched me, and you know this this whole thing here um, that we do. The only reason that I do this is because there it, it does appear that I do have some folks out there that listen to it and I know this because I hear from you and I plus I see the you know the numbers and I and I know that it's happening and, and I appreciate you guys I, I I'm not I'm not just you know uh, trying to blow sunshine up your dress I'm, I'm, I'm literally I, I genuinely appreciate more than I can properly convey that this time that we have together I really do feel like we have a, a bond here with this uh, I know that you you know that I can't hear you and you can only hear me but I, I feel like we're, we're kind of in this thing together so when I get stuff like this I, I kind of feel like it's it's uh, it's a victory for the both of us and so with that in mind this is my friend uh, my friend zoo. And actually, and that's his name, Zoo. And we're going to say Zoo in Iowa. Because he's, uh, because that's where he is. So he sends me this note, and this was after the game on Sunday. And uh, he starts with a disclaimer that I am just like, um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take a break, and I'll come back, and I'll read this thing all the way to you here. Easy weave, easy does it. Dogs by nature. Be right back. It's the most. Yeah, I guess you could kind of consider that the double tease, where I I teased it prior to the last timeout, and then <laughs> teased it going into this one again. But I promise to get to it. My man Zoo from Iowa sends me this, and he starts off with a long disclaimer talking about how... And, and, and I knew right away that he was my kind of guy because he's basically like, I wanted to send you an email telling you what I'm about to tell you, but I got to warn you that it's really, really, really long and you may not find it interesting. I, I, right there, I'm hooked. I, right there. You didn't need to say anything else and I'm there. Uh, <laughs> if you continue reading past that last sentence, I assume you are interested in the story of how some guy in Iowa became a Browns fan. It's a bit long, you were warned. It starts with being from Oklahoma, sixth generation. Woo! Though I've left since then, that's important for two reasons. One, I've never developed any sort of special attachment to a local major sports team, because there were no local major sports teams. And two, I did what many Oklahomans do and started following the Sooners instead. I also adopted the California, now Los Angeles, Angels as my baseball team at age six. But that's a whole different story that he doesn't get into here. I say a Sooner follower and not a fan because I don't really think of myself as a Sooner fan. I don't buy their stuff. I'm not super attached to every game or outcome, and I don't hate the OK State Cowboys or Texas Longhorns with a deep, fiery passion. I sort of root generically for the Sooners in the various sports they compete in, and it makes my day a little better when they win. That's about the size of it. I am a fan of football, the sport. I watch a couple of dozen games every year between the NFL and college just because I find the game interesting from a tactical perspective. Football is a lot of fun to watch even if you don't really care what happens it differs from this from baseball and especially soccer here here brother that's my own commentary i i am not a fan of soccer although you know baseball's all right so back to the story back to uh, the letter so following the sport generally i was familiar with the browns as a team in the holy cow the browns are bad again lol how does this keep happening every year way i will confess to being a lebron james fan purely because he's exactly my age and i enjoyed the storybook like legacy of him kid comes from nothing finds he's been gifted with unreal talent works really damn hard to improve that talent and essentially rescues the franchise he grew up loving as a kid from its long-running mediocrity getting them their first championship 
ever. An avid consumer of fiction books, I love a good story, and in particular, I love that story. Down on its luck, city and town have done nothing but lose forever, and then a hero appears, and they win it all in highly improbable fashion. As an aside here, as I break in, I don't know that too many Clevelanders actually look at that story that way, um, but no, I, I digress. Back to it. I am a sucker for those kinds of movies and stories. They appeal to me at a deep personal level, and I can't fully explain it. I was ecstatic when LeBron was drafted by Cleveland and was disappointed as anyone else when he left, and then ecstatic again when he returned. Watching the Cavs beat the Warriors in 2015 was a moment of sublime pleasure that is only topped in my personal sports pantheon by my Angels winning it all in 2002. And I will say that the Cavaliers beating the Warriors was it. I mean, that was the pinnacle for, for, for me. I mean, it was better than uh, what Ohio State did, and, and I guess that's really the only thing I have to compare it to. But yeah, um, okay, cool. I'm, 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 I'm totally uh, uh, with this guy so far. To circle back then, getting back to this, I was doing my generic following and rooting for OU at around the same time when I noticed that we had picked up this guy, a walk-on quarterback, pretty much unarguably one of the five or six best college football programs in the country, arguably the best offensive program in the last decade or so. Some random dude had walked on and taken the starting quarterback job. I was immediately enthralled. Who was this person? Where had he come from? And so, I became a Baker Mayfield fan. And uh, this is the that's the thing. I mean, I I'm that's the part of this story that nobody ever talks about. Again, this is me jumping in here. As a, I can't even read this guy's email without without uh, going down rabbit trails. So let me get back into it. I watched the hell out of the games with him. I followed sports articles on him, the whole shebang. Because, as you well know, after any brief period of paying attention to this guy, you immediately realize he has that it factor. That indefinable it quality of being not just really, really good at something, but also a leader. And a surprisingly, to some, thoughtful person when it comes down to it. By the way, I've noticed this about about Mayfield. He really he's actually a pretty sharp kid uh for just just for his age. Uh, anyway, he's that guy, the hero personified, full stop. Now, part of the reason I can't really bring myself to become a fan of college football teams is that they rotate out players so fast. I just have trouble investing that much energy into people who won't be there in four years, and maybe less. But I was a fan of Mayfield, and naturally, as his senior year progressed, I started to wonder what would be the next step for him. I didn't have much doubt someone would draft him. I mean, I watched the games. I knew, just like you did, that he was really that good. But he had all those questions about him. Not tall enough. System QB. Blah, blah, blah. So at first I was like, okay, someone is going to pick him up in like the second or third round, and then he's going to go to Tom Brady his way into NFL starting job. And then I realized, this is this is kind of like the, you know, for, for us it was like week four. For this, guy's, for this guy it was sometime during the playoff uh, portion of the year. And then I realized who was going to have the number one pick in the NFL draft. The Browns. And deep in my fuzzy, story-loving lizard brain, I I steepled... I've never heard this word used this way. I steepled my fingers together and thought, good. (laughs) In that maniacal uh, supervillain voice. I kept my fingers crossed. I wanted the Browns to draft Baker Mayfield. I became especially excited when it became clear they were actually considering it. Not, I have to admit, for any special regard for the Browns, but just because the story would be so amazing. If anybody, anybody, could turn around the factory of sadness, a meme I was already familiar with and thought was pretty awesome in a sad way, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. It was him. He could do it. It was practically destiny. And then they actually drafted him! And I could not wait. Now at this point, I was mostly just rooting for Baker the way I was rooting for LeBron. And so I loved how well he was doing in the preseason, and was mystified as to why the Browns were not giving him a chance to start. Yeah, yeah, you and me both, buddy. Note, back to the uh, the uh, uh, letter here. Note, I was unfamiliar with Hugh Jackson and his truly staggering ineptitude as a head coach at this time. So I shrugged, but turned on my notifications for the ESPN app to the Browns, and figured he would get in at some point. I watched the Browns tie and lose a pair of close games from afar. Well, I say watched. I work on Sundays, so it's more of an accurate to say I sit in my cubicle and check my phone for the game cast when I can. Sometimes we've been there. Lots of us have been there. I'm, you know, I, I, I totally get it, man. I've, I've, I, 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 you have my empathy. 
sometimes we were we have a, a TV on showing the game, but it isn't near me, so still. Uh, I watched them kind of uh, muddle through a pair of winnable games and come up with nothing and was like, yeah, okay, I can see why they're a meme, talking about the Browns being who they are. And then the Jets game. I, by the way, I also work on Thursday nights. I was sitting in my cube, sort of having forgotten that they were on, when a notification popped up. Baker Mayfield was entering the game. And I turned over to the game cast immediately, saw that they were down 14-zip, and knew, knew, I say, that the Browns were going to win that game. And they did. Afterwards, I read articles and watched quick highlights on my phone, noting how the announcers, the crowd, everyone had, that, had felt that it the moment that Baker had walked into the game. A lot of people seem to have trouble describing why that moment uh, seemed like such a huge turn. But here's my explanation. In the darkest hour, on the precipice of yet another dismal losing season, faced with the very real prospect of watching Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, I quickly became of the opinion that whoever was running the offense was an idiot, was pretty happy when both were fired, fritter away yet another year after the interminable humiliation of being the league's joke team year after a miserable year the hero had appeared does this guy get us or what i'm I'm telling you back to uh back to the piece whatever it was everyone had felt it and i enjoy a kind of inverse schadenfreude with that kind of thing i love seeing underdog fans react to winning again see fuzzy lizard brain i was so i wanted to go read how a group of browns fans were reacting from 2004 to, to, uh, to 2010, I ran around the Halos Heaven blog on uh, the, on our good old buddy SBN. I got away from it because the following base because following baseball is exhausting. A game every day for half the year just because too much of the time because that's too much of a time commitment. So I stick with lurking now. So I went over to SBN knowing that they have a site for all major sports team and found the Browns community dogs by nature. Well, I enjoyed seeing everyone celebrate as I knew I would, but then I saw that there was a Brown Browns fan podcast. On my drive home, I typically just listen to the radio, but this time I plugged in my phone and listened, and I really, really enjoyed listening to your show. The stream of consciousness style thought pattern is kind of how I work too. I mean, really, just look at everything I wrote here. And I found you both knowledgeable, engaging, and entertaining, as well as, I think, pretty even-handed in terms of criticism versus understanding, which is a good time. So I went back through your archives, and I listened to some more in one ear over the next few days at work. I also started visiting Dogs by Nature regularly, ghosting through the comments, absorbing things, and as one does when one is an experienced lurker, I really enjoyed that too. At least the football parts of it. And I became familiar with all the Browns' history, the quarterback failures, Sashi versus Hugh, Haslam, Miles Garrett, and Ward being awesome. Uh, and I knew Nick Chubb was going to be really good because I watched him against Baker in the Georgia versus OU playoff game, and I thought he was a huge steal going as late as he did. I learned more about Joby and Njoku and Landry and Duke Schobert. Uh, Randall, Higgins, Callaway. I pretty much learned about the whole team reading your guys' thoughts on them and their stories and how they all got here. How they were a young team, and we are still a young team. Where <laughs> this is, And again, I have to keep stopping myself from breaking into this guy's uh, story here. Um, and how they all got here and how they were a team with this huge mountain of a curse hanging over them. And I really started to root for all of them. For all of them. Not just Baker, but most of all, I really looked forward, win or lose, to listening to Easy Does It. Learning more about the history of the franchise and about the diehard perspective of it all. And I realized I had become a fan. So at the end, here we have come full circle. I am a Browns fan now, in large part because of Baker Mayfield, but even more so because of you, Mr. Easy Weave, an internet persona and voice whom I have never met, likely will never meet, yet felt compelled for some reason to write this ungodly long email at 15 minutes past 1 a.m. because I wanted you to know that you personally turned me into a Browns fan. I'm here for the long haul now, whether I am considered a bandwagoner or not, Win or lose because of you. So you know... <laughs> By the way, it's not its not easy for me to read this because I don't think of myself in these ways. But um, so you... It's, it says here, so you know, thanks for that. On the off chance that you actually read all of that, thanks for your patience and time. I dare hope uh, you may even have enjoyed it. Hit me back with an email and all of that. Uh, and I, like I said, I did, and I, I informed him that I would be reading it, and that's basically all of it. Uh, but, but I wanted to share that with you just because it made it made my day um, when I when I read it. But also, it's 
uh, this this thing that we do here on uh, with the podcast, it's man, it's it, it, it ain't about me. I mean, I'm just some guy. I, I, if if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then all I'm really doing is giving voice to what you already think and feel out there. There ain't nothing special about me, um, but I do love the Browns, and the Browns are special to me, and that's what you and I have in common. And I've only ever wanted to ever do one thing, one thing. And I've, I've said this, you know, for people that that want to ever get involved in media, uh, and, and and any kind of media. I don't know, speaking, writing, whatever it is that you want to do. There's only one thing. There's only one thing that matters, and that's to connect. And I never came here wanting to push an agenda or get people to adopt the now universally accepted three-year rule. None of that stuff. I never wanted any of that. That was never what what my goal was. The only thing that I ever wanted to do was to connect. Uh, because, honestly, these last two years, two, two and a half, two plus years... Not the easiest thing in the world if you if you were a, a beloved follower of this team. So I wanted to connect with people because I wanted just for that very reason, so that way we could have a little bit of I mean, laugh it if you want to, but we have a little bit of fellowship together about this. Uh, because you know, I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before. What's so special? The secret sauce about being a Browns fan? It ain't the product on the field, kids. You know this. That's not what it's about. What it's about is each other. It's about us. It's about and and. The reason I read this here is not so that way. I, it's, it's not me taking a victory lap. It's not me saying, hey, look at what this guy thinks about me. It's it's saying, here is victory for us. Here is somebody that came to our part of the world and decided, I want to become one of them. Because there's something about this odd fraternity that you and I belong to that, honestly, when people from the outside actually feel it and get into it a little bit, they want to become a part of it. It's something special. And it's not just about being on the ground floor of a um, a, a team that is that, that is definitely on the ascent. And I absolutely believe that about the, about this about this team. It's like our friend Sasnak uh, has pointed out. I, by the way, I love that guy. Because, you know, his, his he, he was he his original post. Um, like his first DBN, like introduction to DBN post, told a story not terribly dissimilar from the one that I just read you. And what, it, and now it wasn't, the, the difference being, I mean, he also found this program and listened to it, but it wasn't, he didn't credit this program like, like my friend Zoo here did as being the reason why he is now a full on Browns fan. And that guy is a full on Browns fan now. That guy, you put him with anybody, he's, he's, he's all the way in it with us. But he, he came here from a completely different point of view a completely different mindset he's not even from the states he's he's i'm pretty sure he's great britain but he's he's over there from somewhere in europe and he was a, he was a soccer guy but he recognized the quality about this fan base and about the personality that that engulfs it and it appealed to him and even though he had to sit through some pretty lousy football to get to the other side where we are right now and some good times coming up next year I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that there's something special about this thing that we have here. And I don't know if uh, when we do get on the ascent, if um, if that's going to change. But, you know, I'll tell you this. There was something special about it back when we were good back in the 90s. I remember that. I remember. And that feeling of back in, in 93, 94, 95, being in the old pound, man, that thing was special. That thing. And I haven't felt it. I, I I still haven't felt it really um, since we've been back, even in you know tw- in oh seven or oh four when we had those those two good years since our return. Uh, Baker Mayfield has made me feel a little bit of it this year, but you know next year when we um, you know when we beat up the Steelers and and, and all the things that are going to happen now with this with this team uh, and, and all the excitement to happen, I, I just have to tell you that for me personally. The reason why it's going to be so special when it happens is not because I sat through, you know, 20 years of futility like you did. That, that, that's not the reason why it's going to be special. The reason why it's going to be special is because I am going to cross over that threshold with you. We're, it, it's, in other words, it wouldn't mean as much without you. 
and and us and we to get that that's what i'm saying here i mean th- this whole thing that we've all gone through the reason that um i've been able to put up with it is be- is because of you guys and it, it's it, it it really matters to me and and when i when i read this stuff here and i think back at some of the other you know notes that i've gotten from people and and the connections that have been made over this i'm i'm very um I'm I'm very proud not of uh, a, a a podcast you know a defunct pro- podcast network that we set up that now morphed into uh, what we're doing now on the big platform now for Dogs by Nature. It's it's I'm I'm proud of the collection of guys that come together on a daily basis to talk about this team despite all the evidence of the universe saying you have no business to expect anything but disappointing inept failure for the rest of your natural lives and yet. What do we do? We come back every single day. It's a special group of people. It's a special group of people. And I mean it when I say from the bottom of my heart, I love you. And I'm, um, and you know what? Dang, it's, uh, that's as good a place as any for us to wrap this up. And what I really love about it is that there's going to be people that listen and say, oh, sappy when you're easy. Yep. 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 I'm a, I'm a big old sappy pile of mush. I have no problem admitting it. But honestly, if, if you guys weren't in this thing, it wouldn't... It, and, and, and think about it. If it wasn't for, you know, everybody else that's involved in this and these relationships that we've built up amongst each other, would it have been worth putting up with these last three years, four years, 20 years, however long it's been? Not to me, it isn't. But, uh, hey, I, um, I appreciate... Um, hopefully, you enjoyed this uh, Christmas... Christmas season episode of Easy Does It with me, Easy Weave, here on Dogs by Nature. Hit me up on the Twitters and on the Facebooks. And uh, if you like what you hear, not just from me, but also from all of the programs that are up on the old platform here, please tell your friends. Please let, you know, by by virtue of forwarding them, you know, ver, you know via... It's not a bad thing to share something like this on, on the Facebook. You know, you see this article, or you see the, you know, those things. Hey, man, it doesn't take very much time to copy that link. Put it up on your uh, your Facebook post and let people know. Hey, you like the Browns? Listen to this dude. You might you might like him. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about any of the guys. We would appreciate that. Um, but more than that, way more than that, um, I just appreciate you being there every week. Uh, I, I I do. It may it may sound trite. I don't care. Uh, I I know that you're there, and I appreciate you being there more than I can say. Uh, but I'm going to keep saying it as long as I can. I hope that you have a, a wonderful weekend. I, uh, I intend, God willing, to speak with you on Sunday, barring some unforeseen calamity. Hopefully a foreseen calamity will occur to uh, the Carolina Panthers because I'd like for us to get that W on Sunday. Until then, um, I hope that all is well with you and uh, just... Wish you all the best. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Until then, be well. Good luck. God bless. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.